This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica. Are you ready to finish wrapping up 2012 in film? Round two, fight. Yes, this is part two of episode number 33 of Cinema Fix. This is our wrap-up episode of 2012, focused on the best and worst movies of last year. If you're new to Cinema Fix, this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. And this week we're doing things a little bit differently. Normally we have a spoiler-free and a spoiler-filled discussion about a specific movie, but we're doing things a little bit different. This week, uh, this is just our general wrap-up episode of last year. Basically, the Oscars of Cinema Fix, where we look back at the past year and talk about what really uh, stood out to us. And in part one of this episode, Monica, you and I counted down our top ten films of the year. And what we're going to do now is we're going to look at some different categories of films. We're going to look at different genres of film. We're going to talk about the movies that we thought were overrated or maybe that were disappointments or surprises. We're also going to reveal what we think the worst movie of last year was. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's just go ahead and dive into it. Monica, I want to know, in your opinion, what was the best action movie of 2012? Can I say 21 Jump Street again? Really? You're going to say 21 Jump Street? Oh, it's so funny. Okay, so it's part of action. Okay, I guess I'll let you Okay, because uh, the car chase is... Like had me in stitches. The whole they you they go through the freeway and it's of course lots of traffic, and they're freaking out over it. You know, Channing Tatum and um, Jonah Hill are yelling at each other, um, trying to escape from a motorcycle gang called the ninety nine the one percenters. Mm-hmm. They keep uh, running into scenarios where you think like, oh, it's an oil truck, and they shoot at it. A motorcycle hits it. They think they're gonna explode. They go by it, and it doesn't explode. And then finally, they, they this happens about three times, and then finally on the last try, a motorcycle hits a car, a truck full of a chicken chicken coop or so, and that's the one that explodes ridiculously. So it plays with your expectations. Yeah, I mean, I found it amusing. It is a great scene. I don't know if I'd call. Tw- I, I I would. I could see how you might list Twenty One Jump Street as the best comedy of the year, but for action. Well, I know the raid's yours. Yes, the raid is obviously my number one because it was it was on my top. We're tip. allowing more than one, right? Yes. Okay, so the raid would also be on there for me as well. Well, my runner-up is a little movie that the internet has taken to calling Space Jail. Yeah, I missed that one. This, I'm talking about Lockout, which is basically uh, Die Hard in Space, <laughs> starring Guy Pierce. And this movie, if you just want a turn off your brain. Meat and Potatoes action movie, it doesn't get much better than Lockout. Uh, if you liked Escape from New York, Lockout is definitely in that vein. Guy Pierce is basically playing his own take on Snake Plissken. And 
he's incredible in this movie. The, 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 the script is just so witty. There's all these great one-liners he's throwing around. So in terms of just sarcastic, macho, action hero type movies, it doesn't get much better than Lockout, in my opinion. So can I put another sort of runner-up, The Grey? The Grey. Oh, I cannot believe I forgot to talk about The Grey. The Grey almost made it on my top ten. Really? Yes. It's one of those movies that when I saw it, because the actual movie is so different from how it was marketed, Mm -hmm. I saw it and I was like, I don't know if I liked that. And then the more I thought about it, it just like, that movie just stuck with me. Yeah. And it's weird because... There's a part of me that wants to say you can't count that as an action movie because it, there's not a whole lot of action in it, but there is a little bit of action, and it, it's just such a great meditation on death and mortality and purpose. Yes. Yeah, really incredible film. Longest time, I was super disappointed in this movie and almost had it on my overrated list because it, it was marketed as Boxes with Wolves, Leon Nielsen Boxes with Wolves, and right. it didn't happen. So I was like, what was the purpose of this? Why did I just sit through this sad-ass movie, and there is no boxing with wolves? Now, as, the, as time has gone on, and I can let go of the bitterness of the not having Leon Nielsen box with wolves with broken bottles, small, like, airplane bottle size... I, I yeah, I've come to appreciate more of the whole him against God, the existential crisis he goes through, and kind of the sad background story that he comes with. Yeah, really, really interesting film. I have another one too. Okay, sure. Yeah, go now ahead. that I'm like, oh yeah, action going back in the dictionary of all the things that I saw this past year, Haywire. Oh yeah, Haywire. That was not a bad movie. Haywire. I I, I mean, Haywire. It's not the most original film. In the world, but in terms of action, yes, yeah, I'd say that definitely qualifies. Totally, no, I had I had a lot of fun with Haywire, and again, we were just talking about how January is the worst month of movie going, and just any- not in 2012. No, no, 2012 had some pretty good January releases. No, yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like the little, the, the gray Haywire stuff that came out then was actually pretty decent. Right now, we're stuck in the middle of January again. Right. Like, not to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hay- Haywire was was a fine film. Gina Carano did a really good job. And now, talking about interesting car chases. Through the woods. You know what I'm talking about. The woods scene, the one shot. Yeah. Pretty great. Can we include Magic Mike as an action film? <laughs> yes. I will let you count Magic Mike as an action film. Yeah, boy. No, it was really funny because... Um, you really loved it when Channing Tatum whipped out his pistol, didn't you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There was a particular scene. I was sitting next to a guy friend of mine that he had he'd taken me to the movie and I was just watching. And then it's just his solo, his hip hop solo or so. And I was like, that's some nice isolations. He just kind of gave me this look like, I don't think you're watching it for what you're supposed to be watching it for. <laughs> All right. Well... Next up, best comedy. We've already talked about Twenty One Jump Street. That was that was on my list for best comedy too. I just want to throw this out there. In my opinion, the best comedy of twenty twelve wasn't even a whole movie. It was the mirror scene in Wanderlust. Did you see Wanderlust? Yes. Why are we talking about this? And other than in the, this is a bad movie. 
<laughs> it's not a great movie. It is not a great movie. But there is a scene in which Paul, for those of you that don't know, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston play a couple who wind up on this hippie commune of sorts. But there is a scene in which Paul Rudd is trying to convince himself that it's okay if he if he cheats on his wife because there's it's this whole like free love mentality. So he goes into the bathroom and he's just looking in the mirror and there's this scene that lasts 45 seconds to a minute where he is just trying to pump himself up and get himself ready to have sex and he's talking to himself and it is hilarious. I was on the floor rolling because a lot of it is done in just one take of Paul Rudd just talking to himself and gradually getting crazier and crazier. Nope, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's really sad. Oh man, I was I was on the floor just because I was like, I cannot believe Paul Rudd is doing this and managing I to keep cannot believe a straight face. That you dug that. I totally dug it. I've completely forgotten the rest of that movie, <laughs> but that scene just stuck out in my mind. Okay, well I'll throw another obscure one. Uh, so I really like Dark Shadows. That I thought was kind of funny, uh, with Johnny Depp. Okay, I still, I, I still have not seen Dark Shadows, but based on your recommendation, I will watch Dark Shadows and report back. I really dug Dark Shadows because it was so zany and off the wall. It was just more different than anything I'd seen Tim Burton come out with recently. So, for that, I'll, I'll take it. And it, you know, it's quirky, it's old timey, he keeps to, like, the, the 60s motif and stuff like that, but, um, I just really enjoyed it. Okay. Any other comedies? Um. I feel like there weren't a whole lot of really, really solid comedies this year. Well, cause This Is 40, none of us really dug. This Is 40 isn't even really a comedy. <laughs> In many ways. American Reunion? Didn't see it. Whoa, whoa. We suck at this. Ted? Ted? Ah. Uh... Ted? I love-hate relationship, really. There were so many good moments, and then there's so many, like, why would did we go this way? The thing about Ted is that so many of those jokes are not going to make sense in five years. Oh, well, I mean, isn't that all a family guy? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like there's There's some jokes that he makes that are, like, referencing to the 80s and my mom will burst out laughing and I'll, I'll have to ask her to explain what what just happened there were parts of ted that were that were funny but then but overall it didn't really work for me how about the campaign didn't see it unfortunately you are not very good at this. Um. <laughs> are you are are you just like naming comedies? Like what other comedies came out? Maybe some of them were good. <laughs> no, okay. So no, I did see the campaign. I thought it was funny. It was you know right before the big election or so. So you know I thought it was a lot better than most recent Wolf Ferrell movies. Apart from oh wait. Casa de mi padre. Oh, God. I super dug Casa. No. 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 I freaking loved. I know. Awful. Having survived Jorodowski and El Topo, that trip out scene alone. Okay. I sat next to my Mexican friend, to my Mexican critic friend, uh, to watch this. And we were the only two people in the entire two critics row that were laughing. And he and I were like holding each other because we were almost in tears. Maybe it's only just a cultural thing. I don't know. Okay, I, look, Monica. Because it's all like novella. It's the sending up of the novella style. I, I understand that, Monica. Monica, you're forgetting. I lived in Central and South America, okay? I'm familiar with the culture. I'm familiar with telenovelas. You can live in it, but you don't live it. Do you hear? <laughs> 
Casa de mi Padre, <laughs> I felt, did not live up to the potential of its idea. Oh. And well, was that your one of your overrated movies? It should it it could very well be on that on my list because I well. it just was not very funny to me. And yeah, it, it just it just did not work. I was done with that movie in like fifteen minutes. I was like, "Where this isn't going anywhere?" Uh, yeah, didn't didn't really work for me. Okay, I think that's about it. Yeah, there wasn't a, like a lot. There wasn't like a comedy that ran away with it all this year. I don't think. Right, with the possible exception of Twenty One Jump Street. You're right. Well, other than Cabin in the Woods, which I know we both really really liked. Love. What would you say was was the best horror film of 2012? I actually also have John Dies at the End. Okay, I hadn't even thought about that film as horror, but yeah, you're right. I guess that counts. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre and weird and strange. It's so out of left field that it's it's actually kind of a horror comedy. <laughs> yeah. John Dies at the End, you know, it, I, I was on board for the first half, and then I didn't uh-huh. really like where it went in the second half, and it, it, it didn't really satisfy me overall. Gotcha. But, mm-hmm. okay, I can see how people, how, how you would like that movie and say that was a good horror movie. <laughs> I can see how you could think that that was a good horror <laughs> yes. movie. Yes. <laughs> Goodness. Okay, Mr. Judgy, what did you think was a good horror film other than Cabin in the Woods? I really liked Sinister. Didn't catch it. Sinister, I ended up seeing twice in theaters. I saw one, I saw it once when it premiered secretly at South by Southwest, and then I saw it again when it came out in October just because I really, really liked it. And it stars Ethan Hawke as a true crime writer and it's sort of this interesting take on found footage. And what I liked about Sinister is that it not only has great atmosphere, where mm-hmm. I was thinking in my mind the whole movie, just turn on a damn light, you idiot. Because mm-hmm. there's, yeah. no, there's like no... It, the movie is so dark to look at a lot of the time. It's got great atmosphere. And it has some interesting ideas related to violence in entertainment and voyeurism and the the idea of watching horror and the effect that that can have on people especially children which I thought was I thought it was really interesting so yeah I I really liked sinister if you get a chance you should check it out Alrighty. fair well, one category that we haven't really talked about all year is documentaries. And there were there were a lot of really solid documentaries this year and documentaries that are getting a lot of per- of praise. So, what would you say overall were the best documentaries? I'd, uh, can you can you name two or three? I'm actually writing them out cuz I'm up to like 5 <laughs> cuz I was like <laughs> oh, I'm going to forget these. Um so I had as my top how to Survive a Plague. I've seen a few AIDS-focused documentaries in the past couple years, and most of them just usually leave me on the floor crying. Finally, this one, you know, did a lot of more explaining, brought in doctors, explained a little bit of the medical side, but it was a lot more about the activism side and how activists had to educate themselves in order to present their case to Congress and to representatives and to the science community at large. So it was really inspirational. And um, then there is that one scene where they look out into the first AIDS quilt out on the Washington lawn. And then that's when, you know, my I went with another friend of mine and we were both kind of crying and the entire room was just dead silent. You could hear everyone's holding back tears. So it was just a really 
incredible experience. So that gets my top vote. What would yours be for for top doc? How to Survive a Plague, I thought was a really interesting look at how activism works and how these large social changes that occur often happen just very gradually over 10 or 20 years. And it takes a lot of work from a lot of people. So yeah, that was a really great film. Uh, one documentary I really liked was The Invisible War, which is Kirby Dick's documentary about sexual assault in the military. I haven't seen that yet. Absolutely incredible. I've been promised a screener, so I'm, I'm also scared of watching it, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it just does a really great job of exposing the scope of this problem in the military and, and the types of corruption that can also be found. Um, really, really great film. Um, I also really liked the Central Park Five. Yes. Which is yes. Ken Burns' doc. Uh, he co-directed it, I believe, and it's his documentary about the Central Park jogger case, which I believe occurred in the, or was it the early 90s or the late 80s? Late 80s. And yeah, just a really good, really interesting look at how politics and the media can twist things and how flawed our criminal justice system can be, especially when race is involved. So that was a really great film. And one final documentary I want to mention, just as a film buff, is Room 237. Oh, yay! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had that on my list, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is a documentary about Stanley Kubrick's film The Shining and different people's uh, interpretations of that movie. It is so kooky, man. There's a part of me that thinks it didn't quite do as much as it could have mm -hmm. in terms of exploring the idea of analysis and, and film criticism and, and, and how people can look for meaning in things that may or may not be there. Mm -hmm. But just as a, as a film buff, it was really awesome to hear these people just dive into this incredible film, The Shining, and see what different things that they were able to pull out of it. Love that one. Um, I love Jiro Dreams of Sushi. I still have not seen that one. I keep hearing incredible things about it, though. I don't even like sushi, and I like this movie. Like, okay. it is so well shot, and the close-ups on the food that this man, uh, Jiro, does, he runs like a small, tiny, tiny restaurant that has maybe about like 24 seats in Tokyo. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. It makes you hungry. <laughs> it's one of those great food porn documentaries. Okay. Also on my list is Brooklyn Castle about... Um, is that is that the chess one? I haven't seen that one That is the chess one. one. No, I saw it at uh, South by Southwest and it's a struggling public school in New York that wants to send uh, their kids to competition and has, you know, really great and amazing kids. They far exceed the national level and they win championship after championship. But because of school budget cuts, they may not be able to go and compete this year, which is obviously not just a huge letdown for the kids, but can put, you know, their college aspirations on the line. A lot of them get tours to come in for pro bono and teach them. And it's a lot of things can get thrown off just by slash and budget. So um, it's their fight to keep the program alive and well. I've been really happy to see this keep playing over at Film Lincoln Center um, in New York. And it's 
played a couple other places and it's played here as well in Boston. All right, I'll have to check that one out. And two last ones. <laughs> I, re- okay, I love okay. the documentary section. Um, I love The Imposter. It's a really good. That was a good that film. That was such a good film. Creepy story about a guy who pretends to be someone he's not in order to gain a new life um, and lies and says he's the long lost boy of this family in Texas and they found him in the middle of Spain. Well, then the whole story starts to unravel. And it does it does it through reenactments and interviews, and it's it's almost plays out like a crime drama, um, even though it's a straight documentary, and you know what happens. Um, and then the last one that I would recommend is Side by Side, the whole controversy over film versus digital, and how it goes into the technology side of it, explaining things for people, finally breaking down what the whole debate is about. So I think it's definitely a must-see for film critics and people really into film. And it's done by Keanu Reeves, like uh, narrated by him. Yeah, I, I'd say it's worth seeing uh, for Keanu Reeves' beard, <laughs> definitely. To hear him talk about the red camera and how he's such a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to start calling him Patches. Because <laughs> of his judgy, beard. Judgy, judgy, <laughs> All right, all right, moving on. Monica, what was your biggest surprise? Was was there a movie that you just were not expecting to be very good that turned out to, to actually be really solid? Um, Good question. Because usually I go in and it's... It's a letdown. <laughs> um, for me, I have to say Beast, Beast of the Southern Wild, um, because like word came out before through the Sundance premiere and everyone was flipping out about it. No one had ever heard of any of anybody involved with this. Obviously, it's a lot of amateurs, first timers um, involved. And sit down and watch it. I'm thinking, okay, at best it's going to be, you know, some weird artsy film that I'm not going to connect with or I'm just not going to like. And it's one of my favorite movies of the year. So, there. Yeah, great, great movie. I think one of my biggest surprises is actually, it's a movie that a lot of people hated um, and that made no money at the box office. It It just bombed. And that is John Carter. Oh, yeah. Which I finally saw, and I I wasn't expecting a whole lot. It's, this is the big sci-fi epic directed by Andrew Stanton. And this movie should have been terrible because it's based on this book by, um, oh, God, what's the guy's name? Um, Burroughs, Edward Rice Burroughs. Yeah, yeah. This story of John Carter, this is where we draw a lot of our modern-day archetypes in many ways. Yep. So I was expecting it to feel cliche because it spawned the cliches. But instead, it ended up just being really ambitious and I thought it really connected more than more than not. Mm. I mean, this is a movie in which a guy ends up going to Mars without a spacesuit and can somehow breathe. Breathe the same air. Breathe the same air. But I didn't mind yeah. <laughs> that. Just take it. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is the kind of sci-fi movie where they're throwing a w- around words like Barsoom and Tars Tarkas. Yes. And there's a city named Zadanga. You're just thinking, this is so goofy. This should not be working. And yet, I wanted to know more. I wanted to, to learn more about these cities. And there's this huge war where there's like three or four different parties involved in this big battle. And there's these mysterious kind of higher power beings that are kind of manipulating everything. 
and it's a it's a big, ambitious, messy movie. But I kind of came away feeling like that was really interesting. I want to go back to that world. I'm I'm really upset that it didn't it it did not make very much money at the box office because I would gladly go see a sequel. Mm-hmm. To this film, I almost felt like I did the first time I saw Star Wars. It's a lot messier than Star Wars, but just in terms of the mythology and the potential for further exploration, I was just like, man, I want to come back to this universe. And it doesn't look like we will. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. no. But but yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give a shout out to John Carter and say that I really liked it. And if you hated it, you're wrong. No, I like John Carter too. Yeah, it was it was kind of a bit of a surprise for me, but I ended up liking it. Although watching it at midnight and having it stretch into three hours, it was definitely like right. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it becomes a survival test. But I guess another surprise for me would be Seven Psychopaths. Oh, sure. Because yeah. Good uh, you know, I have doubts anytime there's more than three major stars attached to a movie. So the fact that there were like seven <laughs> major, major names up there. I think it's Michael, is it uh, Martin McDonough for the director? Yes. Points. Loved it. It's cynical little take on Hollywood, but it's still soulful and very interesting and just bizarre. Yeah, I, I saw that film twice. And the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, oh, that was all right. But then the second time I saw it, I really appreciated what McDonough was trying to do in terms of how he's trying to make this weird little meta movie. Movie within a movie. About action and horror and violence and how can you... It seems like he as a filmmaker is struggling with that question of how do I show violence on screen in a responsible way? Like how do I make a fun violent, entertaining movie that at the end of the day is actually about love and peace and isn't perpetuating this idea that violence is a good right. thing. So so yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really, really interesting film and really well acted. Sam Rockwell and Christopher Walken just knocked it out of the park. Love Walken's part. It was, it was like written literally for him. Yeah, really, really good movie okay well what were some of your biggest disappointments well you better say prometheus that is that is the, <laughs> well, that's what i have it's just one it's just one movie i have the hobbit on here too but in terms of like sheer letdown like we walked out of that film and it was like damn it i mean i could also mention skyfall in there i liked skyfall so i won't let uh, you okay, get away well, with that I, but i was let down Oh, it was a really simple plot for a James Bond film. And The Hobbit, well, I saw it in 48 frames per second, so that's why it killed it for me, not just the hype. But um, Prometheus, why don't you take it away on Prometheus? Well, the, the thing is, I, was, I would say that I rarely come away disappointed, just because over the years I've gotten to the point where I, I no longer really get into like the hype yeah. culture surrounding movies. Like I try to avoid trailers when I can. I try not to read up yep. on movies. I'm very much in the dark about a lot of stuff. But with Prometheus, I was still kind of really hoping, like, this could be a really, really good movie. I went back and watched, I think, three of the Alien movies. I'm sorry. (laughs) Three of the Alien movies are actually good movies. I'll give you Alien and Aliens. (laughs) Alien 3 is underrated. 
I will, I will say that. And there's so many good ideas swirling around in all those movies that I came to Prometheus and I was like, all right, I want to see what really Scott can, can do when he's tackling some of those same ideas. And it was just a total mess. And you can see elements of that same brilliance yeah. in there in certain sequences. And you can see things that he's trying to explore and, and, and trying to make you think about. But it just does not come together. And, that, and, and those moments of brilliance, that just ends up making the whole thing a lot more frustrating in the end. Because you can see what it, what it could have been. So close. And even though, you know, the performances are solid, Michael Fassbender is great. It just feels like a lot of wasted potential. And it seems like they couldn't figure out if they were trying to make a prequel to Alien or a reboot. No, it's totally a prequel. You saw the new Alien at the end. Yeah, and it, but even that doesn't directly connect to the rest of yeah. the series. Like, the planet they're on isn't even the same planet can travel they'll figure it out just like the biologists will figure out not to touch rando things with your bare hands yeah very very disappointing film any do you did you have any other really big disappointments i was hurt by the hobbit because i love martin freeman so it was such a good martin freeman performance and then everything else around it just kind of fell apart for me. Yeah, the, the, I can see how if you went into The Hobbit expecting Lord of the Rings again, you would be super no, disappointed. No, I totally didn't even expect that, but I didn't, like, it didn't envelop me as much. Right. I was just like, meh. Yeah, The, the Hobbit The Hobbit is such a weird movie. Like, the, the first hour of that movie, I was like, I'm pretty on board with this. And then the second hour, I was like, oh, I'm not really feeling it. And then the third hour, I was like, I'm kind of back on no, board. No, I'm kind of over it because they keep walking. It's <laughs> starting to walk into the wilderness it's like the first part of the seventh harry potter movie you're like and they're walking um so the other thing was that if you went in at all as a benedict cumberbatch fan oops because they teased the dragon he, yeah. he voices smog and well see i i i didn't keep up with yeah. the news about the hobbit so i was vaguely aware that he was somehow involved in The Hobbit, but I didn't know, like, which of the th two or three movies he was going to be in or, or anything. Yeah, I guess we'll revisit this conversation in 2014 or 2015, whenever we get around to finally discussing all the third Hobbit. Boy, wasn't that like the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I would not go that far. I would not say The Hobbit is an episode one level catastrophe. Because that's pretty much like an abomination to like fandom, right? This is not, we're not talking episode one. We're not talking Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We're not talking <laughs> Terminator Salvation no, level please. catastrophe here. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. Okay, well, on, on that note of, of disappointments, what do you think was the most overrated movie of the year? Was there a movie that, like, all the critics were like, yeah, I love this movie, this movie's great, and then you saw it and you were just kind of like, meh? That would be Chronicle. There's a few. Okay, we are going to talk Chronicle. Let's go, right now. <laughs> Chronicle almost made my top ten. It's definitely getting an honorable mention. Okay. Because Chronicle... I love Chronicle because it used that handheld first-person found footage device 
not only as an interesting aesthetic choice, but also as a form of character development. What, like End of Watch? Uh, no. No. We're not even going to talk about End of Watch, Ugly. which was a mess. Nasty. Um, th- there's moments in Chronicle where, like, the main character will just be levitating the camera and just using it. it the camera almost acts as an extension of himself and what he's feeling and his growing power and... I just thought it was a really well done take on that on that story. Like, yes, I like watching douchebags grow. <laughs> in terms of what, in terms of taking that script, what, what that script was, I thought the direction was really, really solid and really well done overall. No, no. Okay, I know you weren't into the characters. I was kind of into. I, I was into them enough. I hate the way handheld looks. It is not, it is very rare that it's done well. And okay, I'll give it like, oh, we levitated it or so, but it's not really handheld at that point. It's computer generated. Doesn't matter. I still got the point. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. I was annoyed by the story. I was just like, oh my God, we're watching X-Men without a Professor Xavier figure telling him to calm down. It was a really good movie, I thought. It just in terms, it 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 was a, a small little fun superhero slash super villain movie. It was okay. Why would you say that movie was overrated though? I feel like on the whole, critics were like, "Oh yeah, Chronicle." Yeah, a lot of critics liked it. I know a lot of critics. I really liked it. David Chen is like huge cheerleader for Chronicle, but all the reasons that he likes it, I'm kind of. It, it was a lot of the same ones that you just said. So I'm. I'm kind of at odds with it. Okay. All right. Okay. If you say so, man. Any other movies you thought were overrated? Yes. Ruby Sparks. Didn't see it, so I can't comment. Was Did that movie get a lot of praise? I felt like most reviews were kind of, like, mixed, but... There were some praises for it. I do know a few critics that love this movie and the way that it portrayed the relationship. It's all about um, Paul Dano making... Well, it's his real-life girlfriend, and she wrote it as well, and um, the team from Little Miss Sunshine directed it. I am blanking on her name right now, but she's Kazan's granddaughter. Is it like Zoe or something? Zoe Kazan! There we go. I knew it had to be a tween name. Anyways, so he writes himself a girlfriend and, of course, falls in love with her and figures out that he can make her do anything that he wants her to, and it just they were a lot of things for me like red flag and i saw her on a q a and there was a member of the audience that straight up asked her you know what do you think about your character being more in line with the manic pixie dream girl and she, her answer was i don't believe in labels <laughs> misogyny is just a label misog- <laughs> yes <laughs> sex slave is just a label okay. <laughs> my thoughts exactly <laughs> domestic violence is just a noun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, towards the end, when it gets starts getting almost violent, I very much like. Do I have to walk out of this movie? I it just it was very uncomfortable to watch. So okay, her just saying like it's just a label. It was like, uh, no, Mihita, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, you're gonna totally gonna disagree with my choices. I feel like when I when I think of overrated movies, most of the time overrated movies to me are what I like to call movies that are Nolan, which which is that movies that are really good in my opinion. They're they're good movies, yeah. 
but somehow the hype around them just becomes so extreme. Like, I, I like to call them Nolan movies because when The Dark Knight came yep. out, I thought The Dark Knight was a good movie, but suddenly everyone was like, The Dark Knight needs to get Best Picture. Yeah. And Inception is like the best sci-fi movie of the past 20 years. And I'm just like, whoa. No. Like, it's good, but let's not go overboard yeah. here. For me, one of the most overrated movies, at least to me right now, Okay. I, I I need to go back and watch it again, but one of them is definitely Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to do – did we get to do an episode on Lincoln? I totally forgot. We didn't do an episode on Lincoln. We'll do it now. It's possible my uh, my perception will change if I see it again and then I'll suddenly realize, oh my goodness, this actually is this incredible masterpiece by Spielberg. But I came away from Lincoln feeling like, you know what? That was a good movie. It's And that's it's it. It's better than War Horse. Um, yes. sure. I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> I actually, I didn't hate Warhorse. It's definitely less ch- melodramatic and cheesy than Warhorse. So I, yeah, I came away and I was like, Lincoln, that was a good movie. And then suddenly it's nominated for like 11 Academy Awards. Yeah. And I'm like, what? No, I kind of knew that was happening. Cause, um, I knew a lot of critics that were just in love with it. And there's many more that are just deeply devoted to Tony Kushner's screenplay. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Spiel- if you know Spielberg's team walks away with a couple awards that night. Well, the other movie I have under most overrated is you're gonna hate this. We're gonna talk about it next episode. It's Zero Dark Thirty. Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> what the hell, North Carolina Film Critics Association? What the hell? Okay, we can talk about that in a sec. But all I'll say about Zero Dark Thirty is that. The, the more I think about Zero Dark Thirty, the more I dislike it overall. When I saw the movie, I was like, that was good. Not great, but that was good. And the, now the more I think about it, the, mo- the more issues I have with it. But yeah, we should talk Silver Lightning's playbook since apparently you feel that's a very overrated film. And I am I'm inc- inclined to agree with you. Okay, good. Because your organization voted it as Best Picture, right? I saw that release. Yes. The North Carolina Film Critics Association voted Silver Linings Playbook as Best Narrative Film. To be fair, I will say I, I am on the executive committee. I counted the votes. It did not win by a large margin. The fact that it won at all. Like, respect for your group. That was the reason why we got called a herd of beefaloes, if you remember, at the beginning of award season. My my critics group, the Boston Online Film Critics Association, got called out by an online writer as bunch of lonely beefaloes because we had Silver Linings Playbook nowhere. Like, a few members voted it, but it was so in the minority that not even, like, people who liked romantic comedies voted for <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing about Silver Linings Playbook. I liked the movie. I thought it was a fine movie. I thought it was a good movie. My problem with the movie was I thought that the last act turned it into this really kind of cliche romantic comedy. And the Robert De Niro character, I thought that character really disturbed me. In Mm -hmm. some ways. And the fact that here's this guy who can't stop gambling and makes this bet that could potentially destroy his family's future. But that's never really commented upon. Like, at the end of the movie, no one's like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't do that. It's kind of celebrated. Like, yay, it all worked out. Good job. 
Okay, so I'm going to pull out When Harry Met Sally. Their relationship is supposed to be just friends for the longest time. And they're tr- they're seeing other people. And it's the same sort of like, they're not interested in each other, but they're interested in each other. And there's supposed to be this connection. I did not feel that connection between Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence's character is super problematic for me. She just doesn't seem like a real person. She seems like a Ruby Sparks. Uh, when she rattles off sports data, just happens to know all these things. She just super happens to be interested in ballroom dancing and goes to compete in a like an open competition and like ropes him into it. It just seems more manipulative. So you're saying the movie felt too written? Yeah. It didn't seem like these were actual people struggling with problems or dealing with depression it just seemed like david o russell has a thing for very depressed needy women who will everyone in their office yeah i i can i can see that i didn't have a problem with the characters on the whole i can buy that i i'm i'm positive there are women out there that are huge sports fans and actually know a lot about sports even though they might not you know make that known to everybody (laughs) and i could buy the idea that two people with issues would be drawn to each other, that they would be able to find some sort of comfort in each other, that that idea that the rest of the world doesn't understand what I'm going through, but this person kind of gets it in a way. And that whole thing with Bradley Cooper's character where it's like you can tell he likes her, but he's also hanging on to the past, I could buy that, and that seemed realistic to me. So I don't think I disliked it quite as much yeah. as you did. I, I agree that I, I'm kind of stunned at the amount of praise that it's gotten. I didn't believe that he was really interested in her because he seemed very oblivious. I mean, it kind of seems like she'd just been friend zoned from the get go. Okay, well, see, now we're going to get You brought up when Harry met Sally. Now we're going to go get into the whole question of can male and females just be friends? <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's my thing is that they, they uh, he was just like, I'm, I'm going back for my wife. I'm going back for my wife. I'm going back for my wife. And then at the very end, his dad is like, you idiot. And like, that's when he writes the letter for her. Right. I, I can see that. To me, I viewed it more as he's a guy that would totally, absolutely be with Jennifer Lawrence's character if he wasn't still hung up on his wife. Like, it seemed like that kind of relationship to me. Like, he would absolutely go out with her, but he's in such denial about his wife that that's not really an option. I, I bought most of it, but the third act, it kind of went okay. off the rails for me. But um, let, let's let's move on. Most underrated movie. Is there a movie that you kind of feel like a lot of critics just didn't? John Carter. Yep. <laughs> yep, John Carter, I would agree. I'd also say Frankenweenie, as you know, was on my top ten. It's it's a movie that critics liked, but I don't feel like they loved, and I don't, I, I don't think they gave it as much attention as it deserved. Same with uh, Killer Joe. <laughs> and also, you're going to hate me for this, but I got to say it, Battleship. You're on your own there, man. You are on. Hey, speaking speaking of ships, how about Life of Pi? Because I, really, I really dug Life of Pi, but I don't feel like a lot of critics did. I really liked Life of Pi as well. I, I agree with you. That was, a, that was a really good movie. Battleship, I'm, I'm put, I put it on my most underrated list because I feel like nobody was expecting anything with Battleship like it was it was just kind of like I can't believe they're making a movie about Battleship there's no way that's going to be good it's just got to be god awful and I saw it and it's not a fantastic movie 
but it's also not terrible. It is it is a fully passable. Oh, that's good. I like my <laughs> movies movie. to be passable. Yes, that's why I'm giving it. An, it's an underrated movie because I think a lot of critics just like to dogpile on it. You were expecting nothing to be good in it. In terms of turn off your brain action movies, you could do worse than Battleship. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I guess going on from there, then let's get into worse movies. If Battleship was your underrated, what are your worst movies? I have five. I have five. <laughs> I have three. Okay. L- l- how about you name two? My first off was Darling Companion. Didn't see it, so I can't comment. Lucky Bastard. It is just shot ugly, and I have a really... I, I've had, I faulted Les Mis for the same thing. If you if you have more than a couple hundred dollars invested in your film, the least you can do is buy a good tripod. And, and this one was just they didn't know how to film, I guess, because at one point my friend likes to point out that they had this kitchen scene of two characters talking, and there's two windows behind them. And in both scenes... The sun is behind them. So it's like we're on Tatooine at this point. Right. Because <laughs> it goes to one, we have the sun in one, and we go to the other, and the sun is in the other. It is a weird, bizarro movie. There is even a cartoon in her dream or so. Um, there is a horrible stereotype of a magical gypsy woman, and she's the one that finds the dog for Diane Keaton. Yeah, it's it actually is rather offensive. Oh, okay, so this is the Diane Keaton dog movie. Yes, Diane Keaton dog movie. I was like, which movie was Darling Companion? Okay, it's the, Dar- the Diane Keaton dog <laughs> Nobody movie. Nobody else remembers this movie, but it just made <laughs> such an impression on me, like, wow, they really do just throw money at anybody nowadays. But it's really sad, because uh, Lawrence Kasdan was the director and the screenplay writer, and he... Mm you know, was responsible for a lot of very well-known films. Like, I think he did Raiders. He wrote the script for, helped write the script for Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Didn't he work on Star Wars as well? Or isn't he working on the new Star Wars? Uh, no, he's not working on the new Star Wars. This is, this is okay. old hat. He did the Big Chill, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep, Star Wars Episode 5 and 6. Wyatt Earp. I guess he really likes dogs. No. <laughs> it was awful. My next awful one would be, actually, I have a double whammy from the Sandler camp. It's That's My Boy and Here Comes the Boom. Okay, I did see Here Comes the Boom. Okay. Which was not a great movie. Didn't make my worst list, but it was not a great movie. I did not have to sit through That's My Boy, thankfully. Good. Then just assume it's not good. Unless you like, you know, children to be seduced by their teacher. Okay, well, what, what were the... Why don't you go ahead and tell me what were the other two movies on your worst... Oh, well, I'll just finish reading them, I guess. So the third one would be Project X. That is on mine as well. One of my okay, three worst movies of the year. Oh, so irritating. It was... Nothing good came out of that movie. It was just... Okay, how can you say that the characters in... Chronicle were douchebags when you saw Project X. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. These were like douchebag supremes. Like, this is when you want to go supersize me, you go for Project X. There's just nothing about this movie that I liked. It's a movie in which people do awful things, and that is celebrated. Braddy over entitled kids throw a massive party, burn a house down, and all they get in punishment is a slap on the wrist. Yeah. 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 They just say, oh, we're going to use your college money, which, you know, for terms nowadays might be better who cares yeah terrible movie fourth i have rock of ages 
Which made me really sad because I like musicals. I did not see that movie, but I heard mixed things about it. There, I, there were some people that told me it was actually worth seeing, and I heard that actually Tom Cruise is really good in it. Like he, he almost kind of feels like he's in a different movie because he's so good. Yeah, that's the thing. Everything else sucks. <laughs> and I'm I'm not a fan of Julianne Howe. I don't think she can sing very well. And I was so shocked. The I went original. Uh, I went really excited because it's Adam Shankman from Hairspray, and the choreography is from Mia Michaels, who does a lot of stuff for So You Think You Can Dance. So I'm all kinds of excited. I sit down to watch, and other than a couple scenes, the choreography was like pretty standard it wasn't anything special it didn't you know there were no real dances that really stuck with me i thought step up revolution haha was much more creative (laughs) in there (laughs) which yeah i'll go there um in terms of choreography you know they have some really interesting stuff to watch i was actually surprised that they're kind of like awkward homophobic moments. Like I didn't know why was that even there or if it was a part of the original stage play. I was just kind of bummed out. And yeah, Tom Cruise is kind of funny, but it's a little one note. It just is the same joke over and over again. He's this over super privileged, like rock and roll superstar. So, you know, just women throw themselves at him and that. Okay. It's hilarious for only about the first 20 women. <laughs> and then right. last but not least is Man on the Ledge. Oh, yeah. That movie was, yeah. See, that's what happens in January. I didn't hate that movie, but it's just completely forgettable. Yes, except that I just mentioned it again. Yeah, why are you bringing that movie up? I'm just bringing up all the baddies. So go on your three. Other than Project X, God Bless America, uh, the new Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> movie, is terrible. Oh, I kind of find it as a disappointment because I had a little, I, I dug the beginning where it was, you know, talking about what's wrong with our culture. And then it, I think he just didn't execute it as well. This movie made me angry. Like I was <laughs> seething by the end of the film because here's the thing. I agree with what Bobcat Goldthwait is trying to say in this movie. He's, he's critiquing Fox News. He's critiquing the far right. You know, this is a movie in which two people team up and basically go murder everything they think is wrong with our culture. And I can understand that impulse. Mm-hmm. Like, politically speaking, I feel like I'm on Bobcat Goldthwait's side. Yeah. But it's so vitriolic Mm. in its hatred and it doesn't propose hey we should actually maybe talk to people we disagree with yeah and try to make meaningful change it's just like if you disagree with me i i'm gonna kill you and i couldn't figure out if he was trying to satirize that point of view and if we actually were not supposed to empathize with the two main characters Mm -hmm. if that's what he was going for that was not communicated well at all Mm. i think just the whole movie left me feeling really uncomfortable and really really angry because i was like i can't believe like if a republican or if someone on the far right made a movie about all the liberals getting killed yeah people would hate it and we'd be like this is awful this is stupid it's close-minded it's close-minded but because someone on the left did it yeah we're supposed to think it's okay and it's a good cultural critique Mm. no 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 it's terrible it's awful 
Yeah, that was my thing is that I totally was on board with, yeah, this culture has issues. And then, like you were saying, his resolution is to kill it. The other movie, I'm not even sure if I should mention this movie because it's coming out, I think, in a few weeks or very soon. I saw it at South by Southwest. It's awful. And we might act- I might actually have an interview <laughs> related to this movie. Oh. That's going to go up on the site. Wait, coming up or already done? Coming up. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't mention this, but I'm going to go ahead and say Nature Calls is a terrible film. This is the Patton Oswalt Boy Scout comedy. It is terrible. It is awful. Uh, I've got an interview with Rob Riggle, who's in the movie that I think oh. I'm going to... He was so sweet. I got to interview him for 21 Jump. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I'm going to post the interview. And the thing is, he actually is, he does a really good job in the, the movie. He's probably yeah, yeah. the best thing about Nature Calls. Aww. Everything other than his performance is just so terrible. It's, it's, oh man. That is really unfortunate. It's a, it's an awful, awful, awful movie. But I think that'll wrap it up for uh, these bonus categories. But let's go ahead and just mention, Monica, are there any, like, honorable mentions or just other films in general that you that came out in 2012 that you feel like deserve a mention or are worth talking about? I can't believe I forgot about Bachelorette for Best Comedy. Um, loved it. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I also liked Goon. Um, which could also be action comedy. Yes, that that was a fun movie. Yes. So those are the ones that I haven't talked about before that need some calling out. I, I've got a bunch of extras. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to talk about. Okay, we talked about Chronicle. Um, I want to... There, there's a movie, it came out in limited release at the end of 2011, got a wider release in January 2012 that I feel like a lot of people haven't heard about and haven't seen, and that is... I believe it's the directorial debut of Ray Fiennes, okay. Coriolanus. Yes, didn't get to catch it because I'm pretty sure it lasted like a weekend here or something. Yeah, it, it's his take on Coriolanus, the Shakespeare play, and he's modernized it and kind of set it in this present day quasi futuristic setting. And it's this war drama and this political film. And I will say, as far as I'm concerned, Ray Fiennes can do nothing but direct Shakespeare adaptations for the rest of his life, and I would be okay with that, based on this movie. In terms of Shakespeare, it does not get much better than this movie, in terms of adapting Shakespeare to the screen. I just really loved it. The thing about Shakespeare is that you can't read Shakespeare. You have to see it acted out, either on stage or on film. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ray Fiennes did such a good job translating it to the screen. I absolutely loved this movie. I also want to give a shout out to Family Nightmare, which is a short film Christ. from director Dustin Guy DeFay. You just love making obscure things. <laughs> Getting out. Well, uh, we, we've had him on the show before. Oh, nice. He's a great guy. Uh, he directed my number one film of last year, which I guess actually got technically got released in, in wide release this year. Uh, but it's a movie called Bad Fever. Great guy. He had a short film come out this year called Family Nightmare that is really, really cool little experimental. I, I, I guess you could call it, it's like a horror documentary oh, okay. in an odd way. But really cool little short film. Uh, the Gray you already talked about. Yeah. I love that movie. 
Paranorman I thought was great. I think it's going to be looked back on as a turning point in cinema because this is the movie in which it's it's the first animated movie to have an openly gay character, mm-hmm. which is very great yeah. and is noteworthy, I think. Mm-hmm. The Kid with a Bike, the mm. new film from the Dardens, yeah. is absolutely fantastic. Magic Mike, yes. I agree with you. <laughs> good movie that and the avengers were the only good movies of the summer (laughs) in my opinion let's see once upon a time in anatolia did you see that movie i didn't get to catch it but i've heard amazing things that was one of the screeners that i tried to get to before i had to vote and it just didn't pan out for me it's this very slow meditative crime procedural and Again, it's kind of like The Grey. It's one of those movies that when it ended, I was like, I'm not sure what I thought about that or if I liked it, but it just stuck Mm -hmm. with me. And it's beautifully shot, and there are just some really incredible little touches and little moments in that movie. Yeah, Pieta, which I believe comes out this year in wider release. It's the new film from Mm -hmm. Kim Ki-duk. I really liked it. I know a lot of people hate it and couldn't believe that it, won the big prize at, I think it was the Venice Film Festival, but I, I thought it was great. Seven Psychopaths we already talked about. And the last movie I want to mention is a little film that got a very limited release. It's called Turn Me On, Damn It. Yes, love Turn Me On, Damn It. You saw this movie? Yeah, Goodbye First Love as well. Oh, yes, that was a good film. I can't believe you saw Turn Me On, Damn It. I thought no one saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I totally wrote an, an a think piece about it because they were double. They did a double bill of Goodbye First Love with Turn Me On, Damn It. it it's such a cool little movie. It, it, it's it's like a sex comedy. It's so pro girl, like yeah, for girls, yeah. And it's basically like, yeah. hey, hey, we we we've seen all these sex comedies about the horny guy that just wants to get laid, but you know what? Yeah. Teenage girls are horny too. Yes, equality. Just a really interesting look at adolescence and budding sexuality and coming to grips with your body. And and, and yeah, really cool little movie. Yes. Anything else that you want to be sure to mention? You mentioned Goodbye First Love, which is a a really solid film. Yes, I really liked uh, Goodbye First Love. I'd also like to shout out for Brave and Wreck-It Ralph, the other two Disney pictures this year. I thought they were both pretty good. I was not a huge fan of Wreck-It Ralph. I loved Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> I, I feel like the premise was really good. I don't think it delivered on its incredible premise. Okay. Brave I actually liked a lot more than most people. Yeah, and actually watching it again, it still hits on the same notes. Like, it still makes me tear up at certain points, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's still a nice little adventure story. So I, I like it. The fact that I revisited it at all means I liked it. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this super mega show, <laughs> epic two-part show on the films of 2012. Yes. Is there anything else you want to say about 2012? Because because other than Zero Dark Thirty, which we're discussing in the next episode, I think you know once that's done, we're not going to be talking 2012 anymore. So if you have anything else you want to say about any of the movies that came out last year. This is your chance. So excited for our Oscar episode. Are we going to do an Oscar episode? No, we're not going to do an Oscar episode. If you don't retweet my live tweets, I'm going to be really mad. Oh, we are definitely... I, I, okay, I will be live tweeting the Oscars okay. from Geek Radio. But uh, other than that, I don't think we should give the Oscars the time of day. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Award shows don't matter, people. 
Okay. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode when we'll be talking Zero Dark Thirty. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. Let us know what were your favorite movies of 2012. What was the best action film, the best horror film? What did you think was overrated or underrated? Email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com and let us know. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And if you can also use our website uh, to link to our affiliates. If, if you go to Amazon.com through our website, we will get a small percentage of whatever you purchase. And that money does help us stay on the air, keeps us producing new content. So we really appreciate that. Don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place and Dispatches from St. Marina. And before I forget, as we, already, as we mentioned earlier, the North Carolina Film Critics Association has announced their winners, their picks for the best of the year. I'm on the executive committee of that, so be sure to check that out at ncfilmcritics.org. Monica, I know you're also part of a film critics group. Where can people find you online? People can find my film critics group at bofka.com. That's B-O-F-C-A dot com. That's the Boston Online Film Critics Association. They can find my personal writings and complaints about the MBTA Boston at my Twitter account at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. Uh, If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. And don't forget to follow film underscore geek underscore radio on Twitter as well. Uh, We recently live-tweeted the Golden Globes. We'll be live-tweeting the Oscars as well in a few weeks. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. Be sure to follow us for all the latest updates on the website. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!